So we are moving on in Psalms. Uh, we're, I, I was having a conversation with somebody this morning. And I told them if I would have known what all was going to go on this summer in our lives and friends' lives and the, the family of Bethel, uh, I would have chosen something different than constant heavy Psalms to go through. But God knows what he's doing. And so here we stand, we, we are looking at now Psalm 42, and, and I start studying it, and again, I, you recognize the weight of things that have gone on, and as much as that's hard, because it's hard to wrestle through some of those things when life is difficult, it's also good, because each one of us will wrestle through, if not now, at some point, something that is stronger, harder, more difficult than we think we can deal with. And the reality is, we're right. We can't deal with it. We need the Lord to help us, to work in us, to work through us, to do all of that. But it's a good reminder to know that others have dealt with pain as well. So we're going to read Psalm 42, and then we'll step back. We'll sort of take a big picture look at it, and then we'll jump into the text itself. Here's what it says. To the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come to appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go to the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation. And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? With a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. Or as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What is that psalm about? I mean, really, big picture-wise, what is going on in that psalm? What is going on in this text that we should take note of it? We could dive into details, to specifics, to looking at all sorts of intricacies within this text and then miss the point. So what is the main point of this text? We see it twice. There's lots of repetition in this psalm. But we see it twice. And the more you look at it, the deeper the concept is. 
Verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Again in verse 11, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Have you ever been in a spot in life where your heart is heavy? Where it's hard to deal with life, you're, you're, you've lost your energy, you're lethargic, you're, you're unmotivated, and you don't know why. That's what's going on. The, the reason the question is asked, why are you downcast, O my soul? It seems that the author does not know. It's not saying he doesn't understand that there's trouble around him, that there's things going on. He understands that. He senses it. He sees it. He feels it. He hears it. As people say, well, where is your God? In that mindset of, if you trust God, he'll save you. And if he's not saving you, he must not be real. That sort of mockery to the psalmist. So he knows all of that is going on, but he still asks himself, why, oh soul, are you downcast? Why are you not able to get beyond this? What is weighing you down to such a level that you don't know what to do? He knows the answer. He says it twice. Why are you downcast? Hope in God. Right? He knows this. We looked at Psalm 22, remembering what God had done, remembering God in the past, remembering God in the present, remembering what God promises to do in the future. We, we've gone through Psalm 51, where we look at God creating a new heart in us. Even when our trouble is our own sin, He's creating a new heart in us. He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't forgotten us. We can hope in Him. But sometimes... You're just down. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We fast forward some hundreds of years to John chapter 16. And John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world... You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, which is a great thing to say, but in the midst of pain, it doesn't much feel like God has overcome the world, that Jesus has been victorious. We know it, but it doesn't feel much like it when we lose people, when there's pain, betrayal, physical hurts. It doesn't feel like this is true. So what do we do? The answer is simple. Profound. Profoundly difficult, but simple. Trust in what you know. No, no, no. Don't trust in what you know. Trust in what God reveals of himself. Because as soon as we say trust in what we know about him, we've put the impetus back on us. We've said we're sort of this, this mitigator of what's going to happen to make sure that we don't lose track, we don't get off path. But we're not a good mitigator of that because we are broken people. 
And so we trust in what he has revealed. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. Have hope, we read from the psalmist, right? So, so we remind ourselves to believe. We remind ourselves to know. And the psalmist says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. What does it mean to hope? It's a legitimate question. I hope I win the lottery. I don't play the lottery, but I hope I win it. Is that the kind of hope that we're talking about here? The kind of hope that, that Scripture talks about is the kind of hope that says there is a better future, and I know it. So I have hope. I don't know when I'm going to get to that better future, but I have hope that there is a better future ahead of me somewhere. And I will patiently wait until I get there. That better future may not come until Revelation chapter 21 when God wipes away every tear from everyone's eye, right? And he removes all the sickness and hardship and crying and pain and death as he destroys sin. Or it may come tomorrow. Or you may find joy in the midst of small things that happen in the midst of hard things. I don't know the answer to that. I don't even know what this afternoon brings, let alone tomorrow, let alone what God is going to do. But I have hope. We can have hope that he has a better future for us because of Christ Jesus. And when that's the truth that he's revealed, when that's the truth that we can know, then we're not placing it on us to say, oh, Brock can, can work through this and figure it out. We're not even placing it on somebody else. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says that we should bear one another's burdens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says we should encourage and strengthen one another. We're not even saying that that is what we should be doing. I mean, it is what we should be doing, but that is not the thing that's going to make it work. What makes it work is not bearing somebody else's burdens. It's not somebody else bearing mine. It's not what I know. It's not how smart I am. It's not how capable I am. What makes us have hope is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when that is the truth that we hold central and we keep central in our mind, then when we ask, why, O oh soul, are you downcast? We could say, we can hope in God. Trust in Jesus. That doesn't automatically make it better. You know how we know that? At least in this psalm, he tells himself twice. He tells himself to hope in God and then forgets and tells himself again. Pain is hard to deal with. And what can happen, even when we say what we've said, we can start the process of minimalizing somebody's pain. Oh, you're in pain? Just, just trust in Jesus, and it'll be better. Trust in Jesus, he'll take it away. Trust in Jesus. Your pain doesn't have to be there. The pain doesn't have to be real. And without intending to, we can go down this path of illegitimizing somebody's pain. That's not okay. 
That's not okay at all. We come to Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected by men, it says. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What does that mean? This is a prophecy about Jesus. He was a man of sorrow. Acquainted with grief. He was rejected by people. We dare not then ever minimalize or illegitimize the pain that somebody feels for Christ himself felt sorrow, felt grief, not just felt it, but was a man of sorrow. A man whose life was filled with grief. Just think about the story that we, the stories that we read out of the, out of the Gospels. It's over and over and over and over the rejection of Jesus by the people he came to save. So he came to die for people, and those people consistently reject him. John chapter 11, verse 35. It's the shortest-ish verse of the Bible, depending on how you count it, depending on if you're counting Greek letters, Hebrew letters, English letters, spaces, there's all sorts of things. Jesus wept. That's the end of it. John eleven thirty five, 35, the death of Lazarus. Jesus is engaging with people who are themselves weeping, and Jesus wept with them. We can go to Luke chapter 23, verse 35. And if you ever feel like, remember how we said that the people ask, where is your God? Why is your God not saving you? It's that mentality. Same thing happened to Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verse 35. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at Jesus, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's really the Christ. We don't care about his pain. He saved others, and they knew it. They had seen him do miracles of saving people. They cared nothing for it. And when you feel that, that being mocked, know that Jesus was mocked. When you feel that, that deep pain of rejection, know that Jesus was rejected. When you feel the deep pain of sorrow and grief, know that Jesus was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. Don't tell yourself, this isn't a big deal. Just get over it. Don't tell somebody else, this isn't a big deal. Just get over it. Instead of that, just help point people to Jesus. Not in the sense of, tell Jesus your sorrows, he'll take them all away and you'll be fine. But in the sense of, if you look to him, if you focus on him, you will know that there is a better future. You will have hope that you'll come out of this someday. You won't be unscathed. You won't be unmarked. But your hope still stands that Christ is Christ and that he wins 
that he takes away pain, that he takes away illness, that he takes away death, that he wins. Beyond that, we go back to the song. Beyond that, what we see is this sort of pattern And it's a pattern that we've seen before, which is here's my trouble, here's what I know, here's what I remember, right? He says these things, verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God. I used to do this, he says. I loved it. And now he seems to not be able to get his heart back to that spot. It's just so heavy, so burdened. Go to verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. God has steadfast love. Not only steadfast love, if we went to Lamentations, or let's go to Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. It's weird that one of the most encouraging verses in all of Scripture comes out of a book called Lamentations, which is pouring out your troubles and your hardships. Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is my portion. He is the one that I trust. Therefore, I will hope in Him. That's the path that we walk to deal with the pain. Ultimately, it is the answer. But it's not a short-term solution. It's not a tomorrow you're guaranteed to feel better. When we lose people, we may find that tomorrow is worse in how we feel than today. We may find the day after that is still hard. We may find that it takes a long time to wrestle through the pains that we feel, the betrayals that we have, the death that we engage with, the sickness that's around us. We're called in those moments to persevere. Not persevere for perseverance sake, but it's a type of perseverance that's continuing to remind yourself to hope in Jesus. Continue to remind yourself to hope in what he has done and will do. As much as it's hard, when we go through those things as individuals, when we go through those things collectively as a family, when we engage with that in this community, we must remember that when we have hope, which is only for those of us who believe, then Paul writes to the Thessalonians, they don't have to mourn like the people who have no hope. That's why we can legitimately call a funeral service a celebration of life. Why? Because we're not just celebrating the life that she had, Mary in this case. We're celebrating the life that she still has and the life that we will have alongside her with God if our hope is in Him, if our trust is in Him, if we've put our faith in Jesus alone. When that's the case, then It doesn't minimize or mitigate. It doesn't take away the pains that we have here and now. But it puts us in a place where we can go forward 
the author of Hebrews tells us that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, uh, that entangles and the sin that so easily hinders and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Paul writes to the Philippians that they should forget what is behind and press on toward the goal that is ahead. That doesn't mean pretend like the past didn't happen, but it does mean don't focus on it, don't pay attention to it at the expense of paying attention to where you're going. And when that's the hope that we have, the hope for what God has, not just in front of us in this world, but in front of us in his heaven with him, when we keep in mind that our eyes are focused on Jesus, then the pains that are there are there. They're real, but they won't consume us the same way. We'll see a path toward the light, toward out, toward away from the pain. Why, O oh soul, are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God, for his steadfast love never ceases. For he understands pain and grief and sorrow. For he gave us an opportunity to have our sins taken away from us. He has given us an opportunity to have life with him. There's no promise in here that tomorrow is going to be easy. There's no promise in here that tomorrow is going to be fun, but there is promise that tomorrow is filled with hope because in the end, at the timing that Jesus chooses, he wins, destroys evil, is victorious over Satan, and wipes away every tear and every pain and every trial and every hardship from us. Even when we don't know what's eating us so deeply. Trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to look at these texts, to know that we're not alone in our pain and in our hurt. Father, we know that you, you are amazing. We thank you for your son, we thank you for the life and the opportunity that we have in you. We pray, Father, that as our hearts and minds continue to grow and know you, that you would be honored and glorified in us. Father, give us opportunities this week to share your love with the people around us, to share your son with the people around us. When we have those opportunities, Lord, let us recognize them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.